All right, so we are going to transition now. We're switching gears, all right? We're gonna move into the time of the word. And um, I'm excited to continue our series, Greater. All right, I hope you've had some fun with this series already. I hope that God has really challenged you in a lot of ways. We started this series uh, with an understanding of who the I am is, right? And we're talking about God. We're talking about his, his existence and how he has always been there and will never leave and will always be I am. And it's so important for us to understand who he is, but also who I am, lowercase I am, right? Us, who we are was important that we, we discovered the week after that and understanding what God has gifted us with and, and all that he has uh, entrusted us with as we move forward. But we're going to go in a different direction, still in our series of greater, because the goal is that God would become greater in our lives and we will become less, right? And we're going to go in a direction that I think is very important that God has been really you know, putting in my heart for a few weeks at least, um, talking about discipline, and, you know, I don't know about you guys, but um, this last uh, really couple weeks, but even this last week specifically, as we started a time of prayer and fasting, um, we learn the value of discipline in our lives. How many of you guys know somebody that's really super disciplined, right? Raise your hand. What do they, what do they normally look like? They're like fit all together, the outfits always match. You know what I mean? Those kinds of people, they get up early. You want to punch them because you're like, how do you do that? I love the pillow. It is my friend and I will be with this thing in the morning. We will spend quality time together. But you know, discipline is so important and so essential for God to do greater things in our lives. Do you believe that? Seriously. Because you can tell the difference in your life between a point at which you were or now are not, or you are and were not disciplined. And the thing is, I firmly believe, okay, and this is why fasting has been so important. This may be the first time for you guys hearing about this. But hey, if you didn't, if you didn't feel like you did it right last week, it's a new week, all right? Fasting is so important. I was talking to Ben about this this week. Because when we discipline our bodies, right, when our flesh comes up under, right, God versus us, it starts something within us. It then disciplines and changes the way we think, right? And then changes when our minds are renewed, then our spirit man is renewed as well. And I was just thinking about this in this time of discipline uh, that we're in. And it's so important that we understand what this looks like. And when you look at the word discipline, it's rooted in the same word as disciple. Okay? And the thing is this, this word disciple is very important. It is very important for us to understand how to be disciplined. We have to understand how to be a disciple. Right? I feel like God has really been dropping some stuff in my heart lately about our church and the way that we live and what we should do. And I feel like, and this is just a crazy thought. It's just crazy and so original. We should live according to the word. Isn't that crazy? No glitz, no glam, which you know we're not showing. I mean, there's some churches like motion lights and smoke and like, yeah, and Matt comes up out of the ground. But like, are you ready to worship? You know what I'm saying by that? 
we're gonna have to you got the jackhammer bud because we're gonna have to go deep for that because this is all cement maybe you can come out of the ceiling But I feel like God is stripping things away in a good way to make us better disciples. But we have to understand what that looks like. You know, we got to get a picture. Now, when you think of the word disciple, a lot of times, remember, it's, it's like the, the original mannequin challenge that we talked about a while back. When all the guys are at the table with Jesus sitting there, we're like, oh, that's what the disciples look like. And Jesus is, and they're like, hmm? You know, all of their faces. I used to love looking at the faces. But we picture that as disciple. But to understand what a disciple looks like, we have to understand who the person is that is discipling us and who started this process. And his name is Jesus. And, you know, it's so simple yet so difficult to scale back to dial back, to dial down, to just purge ourselves of things. That's what fasting does to us, prayer and fasting. It recalibrates, it realigns. And we're in a time of realignment, which is great because it sets us up for a tremendously amazing future in him, okay? So there's some things that we're gonna do. Now, here's, the, here's the thing. Jesus's life exemplified discipleship in many things that he did. And what I want us to do is look at the life of Jesus as we fly over and we're going to land at some places where we see what a disciple really, truly should look like. When we have that look, we will have the disciplines that are needed to be greater in our faith and our walk, which will make him greater in the world. Okay? Because when you're disciplined, and even even what that means, okay, is, is is a training. It means to be trained. And that's the action side of things. A lot of times it's with repercussions that someone is afraid that they're going to get beat down on the other disciple. But what we're doing is we're, we're purging the things that don't need to be there so that we can be the best disciple possible. Okay? You guys with me? Yeah. All right. Now remember, I love this about Scripture. And we see this as Jesus chose his 12. It was always, always, always about the people that he saw fit for kingdom work, which were people just like you and I, normal, everyday people that he was calling out to be extraordinary people like we saw with Moses as well. All right? So just remember that. So as you put yourself in these scriptures, you put yourself in this place, you understand that I can do this too. All right? The first thing is this, and it's so important. Being a disciple looks like humility. It looks like humility. You'll see a scripture that we're going to get to in just a moment. But Jesus, and this is so important about Jesus, he exemplified humility in everything that he did. He came as a humble servant, right? John 5, 41 If you want these scriptures after the fact, let me know. I'll be more than happy to give them to you. I do not accept praise from men and understanding that I am here because God wants me here. And he says in John 5, 19, I tell you the truth, the son came, excuse me, the son can do nothing by himself. Even then he knew that he was dependent upon God. He's knowing his place of humility on this earth. He said, by myself, this is in John 5, 30, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear and my judgment is just for I seek not to please myself, but he, the one who sent me. Again, pointing it back to the father. So important for us, okay? And then John 6, 38, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of the one who sent me. 
And it's great to hear the words of Jesus. And what he's doing here is he's setting the standard of what we should look like as a disciplined disciple, right? Understanding who we are, that's the I am lowercase part, but also who we are now in Jesus as well because we're trying to emulate who he was on earth. That's why God sent him to give us an example of who God is in the flesh. You get what I'm saying here? Are you, are you, are you with me? Does it make sense? I know it's a little warm in here and it might be a tiny bit early still and you guys have a lot on your mind, but we're like here, okay? I know you're with me, all right? Paul, a disciple, an apostle, was someone that understood this. And this is where we see these lessons being driven home. He said, if there's any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. He's talking to the church here. Having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing, and this is so important for us, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, the same perspective and understanding as Jesus, who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Again, always pointing back. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Paul observed this. And it's, it's, you, you wonder how Paul was observing this. Was he also observing it through the other disciples as well? Was he also seeing the characteristics of Christ, this humility being passed down from Jesus to his first disciples? And then as those disciples come on, discipled other people, he began to see these characteristics. You see what I'm saying by this? We're starting a movement here. This is what the church, okay, this is a vision moment for just a second. This is what the foundry has to be about. The core of us is discipling, being one and making one, right? It's so important for us, being one and making one, being one and making one. We can never live off mission. You always have to be looking around you with a humble heart. Who can I invest in today? Who can I walk with? Okay, the second is this. Being a disciple looks like sacrifice. It looks like sacrifice. This is very true, isn't it? Because there's times when we follow people, when we follow people that are leading us. And I think about this, you know, leading a family, my, my family, my children. There's things that I have sacrificed along the way as I've led because I'm following Jesus in the process where I have to be humble. You have to be someone that lowers yourself and you be willing to sacrifice things so that the next generation can receive what is theirs, right? Sometimes it looks like sacrifice. We want to get to the point that all times it looks like sacrifice, okay? Are you guys with me? All right. Luke 9, 57 through 62 we see the context here. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus, 
true Jesus fashion, is straight up real here, straight up real about what the sacrifice would look like. Have you ever gone to like a job interview and you were really excited on the outside? You're like, this is gonna be an amazing opportunity. I can see, I can make lots of money. I can impact. Okay, that's always the number one thing that you wanna do. All right, we get it. But I can impact people. I can change things. I'm excited about this. And then all of a sudden, they say, okay, so here's what you're gonna have to do on the back end. After you get this job, here's the things that you're gonna have to sacrifice Jesus was saying these things to be real with folks so they could understand. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Where can I sign up? You ever think about that? Okay. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Does that sound a little harsh? Jesus is saying here, if you truly want to be alive, follow me. You can't sit around and wait until your parents pass to become the person that God is calling you to be. You can't sit around and wait for something because if you really want to be alive, follow me. Sacrifice even that because if you follow me, you will be alive. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. It's so important. I don't know if you think about that. In that culture, they did things by hand. There were animals that would pull plows and things like that, but it was absolutely essential essential. If you were behind that plow and you were maybe tilling the ground and you were stirring the earth up and planting seed behind you, that you keep your eyes ahead. Essential, important. Why? What happens? And you guys know this, all right? How many of you drive? Okay. So what do they tell you? Keep your eyes on the? When you look to the left or right, what direction do you go in? Left or right. You know what I'm saying by this? Sometimes we've gotten pretty good at this, and we can maintain it for a while, and we're like, uh, or you're talking to a friend, and, oh, God, yeah. You realize you're hitting the rumble strips and almost off the road, which is a good wake-up. It's fun. But the thing is this. It is so essential for us to be looking ahead, and Jesus is saying, look, what's ahead is greater than what's behind. You taking the time even to go say goodbye to somebody, right, is an understanding that you are going to miss, you're going to miss what I can do through your life. As you hold the plow, you keep on it, and you face ahead, and you look ahead. As you plant that seed behind you, I'm going to provide an increase that you can, it's going to amaze you, right? But it's going to take sacrifice. A lot of times, this isn't something that people like to think about. Oh, yay, I get to sacrifice things. No, you know what? It's going to be worth it, right? You're going to look back and say, over that field of all of this growth, of this life, right, this vitality, and say, thank you, Lord. It was worth it. The sacrifice was worth it. The blisters on my hands, maybe, or even the calluses that I feel from holding that plow, it was worth it. The seed bag that's almost fallen apart, it's worth it, right? Because today I'm living off of what you did through me. 
Third thing is this, being a disciple looks like forgiveness. This is a very hard mountain to traverse, forgiveness. And even saying that word just really sometimes will bring up emotions within us. You've got faces right now in your head that you cannot forgive. People that you think about, you're just like, there's no way. I, I hate them. I basically hate them. How in the world can I forgive them what they've done to me? It's not possible for me to forgive them. If we really want to be disciplined and we really want to be a disciple of Christ, we have to get a hold of this understanding of forgiveness. And how do we do that? We look at Jesus. We look at him as dying on the cross in that place. Father, forgive them. You know, you think about what he was going through. Because you know what? So many times people don't even know what they're doing. They don't even know what they're, they don't know the ramifications of the words that they speak over your life. They don't know about the things that they do to you and how it plays out in your everyday life, how bad it hurts into the place you get in your life. You're like, how in the world can I forgive them? How can I forgive them? You see then in Luke 6, 37, forgive and you will be forgiven. Forgive and you will be forgiven. It's hard to do. I like this, this quote here. Life becomes easier when you learn to accept an apology you never got. Robert Brault. You've probably heard that before from me. But life becomes easier when you learn to accept an apology you never got got. Sometimes forgiveness is more for you than it is for them. Sometimes they don't even know. They don't even know that they've done you wrong. They don't even know. They have no idea how bad they've hurt you and the scars that you have. But I'm believing this, that God is going to put us in a place in our lives that when we do get hurt, it may cause a bruise, but it will not cause a scar. And I'm believing that God can take even those scars away. That he can help you to learn to heal so that you can forgive. So that you're not bearing something that's not yours. You hear me? He forgave you. You have to forgive them. We've talked about this before. It's such a big thing, though. It's a good reminder. If we want to be uh, someone who is disciplined and a disciple of Christ, we have to forgive. He did it. And you know what's funny about it and what's ironic is this understanding that while we were yet sinners, yet still sinners, he saved us. But it's funny that we still go on sinning because we're humans. And he still, every day, says, come on back. Come back to me. Grace is new. Mercy is new. You're forgiven. When we say, Father, forgive me. Please forgive me. And we walk right back in. Now, look, that doesn't give you a license to do whatever you want. You're like, man, tomorrow, it's going to be like a confessional with him. I'm going to get up in there, and it's going to be fine. So tonight, it's on. No, you don't test the limits of grace. Okay, that when you are on sinning, just to see how much grace abounds. But we do have this understanding that when you are really sincere about that with him, and you have a humbled heart, right? A heart that is sacrificial, okay? And the right heartbeat, he is quick to forgive because he is a father that loves you. He's a good father that loves you so much, okay? Forgive so that you can be forgiven. The last is this, and I think is the most important. Being a disciple looks like love. 
You see the greatest commandment, we share this. This is the basis of our church to love God and love people. Okay, we added create community because it's so important that we continue in those relationships with each other, right? Because when we love them, they're like, hey, well, can we hang out? Sure, here's connect groups kind of thing. But you see this is the basis of our church and an understanding as, as these, these religious leaders were always trying to catch Jesus up in something always trying to catch him up in something. And they're like, which is the greatest commandment in the law? They're trying to go to the law, okay? And that's, that's what religious folk did of the day, and that's what people do even today. They try to go to these standards and these laws of the world versus the laws of God, okay? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. But it was that, but wait, there's more moment, okay? This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everything, all the law and the prophets, everything that's been done before hangs on this understanding that if you love God well and you love people well, you will be succeeding in the kingdom. I was talking to Lori a couple weeks back and uh, we were just talking about some, some church stuff, just some, just some life stuff. And she goes, you know what I was thinking about? I'm just gonna be honest with you. That's how she talks to me sometimes. I just, I just want to, you know, that we need to get really good at loving people again. I'm like, boom, you're right. It's funny how our staff will say things that just like, wah, 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 and it's, you're right, because they carry the heart of the foundry too. And it's so true. If we get really, really good at loving God, and I'm not talking about something that we, we, I'm really good at loving God, look at my muscles, not that kind of thing. Only giving glory to him and everything, right? If we were really good, it will align our love for others as well. It will make everything make sense completely if we just simplify our efforts. True. It's so true. If you love well, you will be loved well. Right? If you love well, you will be loved well. Matt, remember that. We've got to take that to the second one, okay? A lot of times they'll remind me, hey, this was a good quote because I didn't remember it at all. Right? It's so important for us to love well so we can be loved well. Okay, and you see from Paul, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 13, this is like the wedding passage, right? Love is patient, love is kind. You remember all that? It's so important for us, though, to make sure we understand what this love is supposed to look like. What it's supposed to look like. If we don't love well, all we are is a bunch of racket, a clanging cymbal, a resounding gong. It's nothing. It's like all these guys up here not being in key and trying to play a song. Trust me. You've been to those services before. I'm not being mean. You know what I'm saying? I'm just for real. Matt, right? Come on. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. You can be tone deaf and say, something ain't right here. Something ain't right. We want to be the most pleasing wonderful sound in the ears of God and those around us. And we want that sound to be pure love. Loving their differences. Loving that they're someone that we wouldn't typically love. Loving someone that we're not comfortable with loving. But they will know that we are there, that his disciples by the way in which we love them. To the degree that we love them will be the, the degree that they understand that we are disciplined disciples of Jesus Christ because we are acting like him. Where did Jesus go? Places where others weren't going. Who did Jesus heal? People that others wouldn't even get near. 
people with leprosy, people that were social outcasts, people that you don't talk to during the day at a well because she's a woman. Jesus is like, hey, I love you. I love you. And I'm here about my father's business and he loves you. How can we do life together? How can we be a better disciple? We can look like one. We can wear these things daily. It's so important, okay? It's so important. Matt's gonna help us conclude this morning. And I wanna challenge you. I wanna challenge you to when you look in the mirror, ask yourself these questions. Do I look like humility? Do I look like sacrifice, right? You see what I'm saying? Am I someone that looks just like Jesus, that is willing to to be just like him and sacrifice like he did, even unto death? That's the most perfect. Am I willing to lay my, because I love somebody that much. That's what the church is supposed to do. And I can tell you something for sure. In a world you've watched over in the last couple of days, in a world that has so much hatred and division, so much, so many different ideas, so many different thoughts, and so many ways that we think that things should run and who should run it. We need to love. Does that mean you accept sin? Nope, didn't say that at all. But you love people right where they're at and you start a conversation of restoration between them and God. So important. I wanna be known for how we love. Him, not condescendingly speaking, and them. Of him, love them. It's just an emphasis in your mind that you can say so you remember. We have to get back to this as a church. It's so important. We, look, we are not way off course. You might think, well, what's wrong? Are we messed up? No. But if you hit enough speed bumps or you hit enough potholes along the way, you got to take that thing in for an alignment. And I want us to make sure that we're always realigning with why we exist. To love God, to love people, and to create a loving community. Amen? All right. So we're going to conclude this morning, and I just want to challenge you. If this is a struggle for you, especially I know the forgiveness factor can be so big because of all that we've felt in life. Spend a moment with God as we sing together, because here's the thing. We serve a good Father who loves us so much and has everything in His hands for you, everything that pertains to life, right? He's going to give you bread, not a snake. He's going to give you something that will give you life longer than today and longer than tomorrow, everlasting life, but it's your choice, okay? And I'm hoping this morning that you will experience the overwhelming love of him who sent his only begotten son to show us what a true disciple looks like, not Da Vinci's original of everybody at the table, but you being the original that you're supposed to be today. Given all of your circumstances, all of your failures, all of your hurt, all of your pain, he still chose you. And he says, follow me. It's up to you. So make sure you leave a place this morning to follow him to somewhere else. Make sure that you're honest with yourself because you are the one that sleeps with yourself every single night on that pillow. And those conversations you have with yourself are between you, yourself, and God. And in those moments, he'll reveal to you who he wants you to be. Nothing else is going on, just you and him, all right? If we can close ourselves in with a moment like that now and talk to him, talk to him and ask him, how can I be a better disciple? How can I look more like your son, right? And then be challenged to lead differently. Let me get you to stand with me this morning. 
And if at any point during this song you need prayer, I want you to look to your left or to your right to make sure that you know that there's somebody that cares for you, probably the person you came with. If not, there's other people that care for you too. Our team that is here, our staff, they will be here as well if needed. If, if you see them and grab their hand, whatever, we'll make sure I will be here as well to pray if you would like that, okay? But let's just express our love for the Father this morning.